Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Mike Foreman, Senior Pastor of the First Baptist Church of Level Plains. For more information about Pastor Mike and the church, please visit our website at www.fbclp.life. Let's join Pastor Mike now as he shares from God's Word. The greatest fear most people have is of public speaking, and so we appreciate everybody who gets up here and uh, stands in front of you and, and shares some things. Uh, before I preach this morning, let me uh, just go over a couple of quick things with you to remind you of some things. Uh, first of all, senior adults, you're going to eat Thursday. And so uh, Thursday, 11 o'clock, right here in the Fellowship Hall, uh, be the senior adult Christmas banquet. So come and, and share and enjoy and fellowship. Bring a dessert. That's what you're supposed to bring. Let me remind you, too, that uh, we are in the season of Lottie Moon. And uh, we uh, did not mention that last week, but uh, we uh, are in that season by which we take up our offering every year for Lottie Moon. That's for our International Mission Board. And they count on us 50% of the international missions that happens through Southern Baptist life happens through that offering. And so I want to encourage you. We didn't set a goal this year, but I want to encourage you that you give graciously. Our church has always done that. We've given between seven and $10,000 every year. I've been here. And so I want to encourage you to do that again. Uh, let's see if we can give eight, ten thousand $10,000 towards Lottie Moon. So we want you to do that. Uh, one thing not in your worship guide that uh, was just brought to my attention, uh, you know that uh, Hurricane Michael went through and just devastated a lot of those to the south of us, especially down in the Panama City area. And uh, we as a church were very gracious. We raised uh, some money and uh, we gave some supplies and sent them down there about a month ago. Well, uh, Steve Matherly has been working down there and he's come across some needs. There are a lot of families that lost everything. There are still people that have tarps on the roof. Some don't have a roof. And uh, some are living, uh, you can talk to Ted, he'll tell you there's a lot of folks living in campers uh, down in there. And so you know what's going to happen Christmas time. There's going to be some boys and girls not going to be as fortunate as our children. Amen? Uh, they're going to have presents under the tree. And so one of the things they're trying to do is a gift drive. And so what we're going to ask is that you help us do that. I know you've given to uh, the Christmas child, Albert's Christmas child, and you've done that very graciously. I know we're asking you to give to Lottie Moon. But I'm going to tell you, if you had to choose what to do at this point, I would love to see us bless some kids locally. And so uh, would you, and don't tell the IMB I said that, okay? But hopefully they won't listen to my message. But it'd be nice to be able to bless some kids just south of us in Panama City who won't have anything for Christmas. I mean, would you not agree that that's the case? And so I, here's what we're going to ask you to do. Uh, this is spare the moment. I just found out. So this is what we're going to do. I'm putting it together in my mind. It's a great good to preach. We want to just have you bring a wrapped gift marked for either a boy or a girl, okay? And he's already talked, he's already talked to the city manager. They're going to give us a place to hand those gifts out. And uh, so there'll be a time and an opportunity for us to meet boys and girls and hand out gifts. Is that right, Steve? So uh, he's already got that arranged. And we need to have the gifts here no later than uh, December the 20th. I tell you, December 19th, we're going to have our night of carols. That'd be a great night to bring it. And just wrap it and mark it, boy or girl, okay? And uh, we'll, Steve's going to take them down there. We'll make sure they get to somebody, uh, some boy and girl that may need something for Christmas this year that otherwise wouldn't get anything. So I think we can do that. All right, church? 
So I'm going to ask you to do that, and then I'm going to preach about love. So <laughs> that's going to work out pretty good, isn't it? So I want you to think, you know, we're in this Advent season, and I want to remind you something about Advent that we've been talking about. And that is that Advent affords us the opportunity not only to celebrate the anticipated coming of Jesus at his first coming. And he did. He came. Amen. Aren't you excited that Jesus came, was born in obscurity. I told Marina the other day, I said, it just blows my mind that Jesus was born in obscurity. But also think about this. There was no room for him in the end, right? You know, that was God's plan. God's plan wasn't for Jesus to come and be treated like a king. It was for Jesus to come in obscurity, to grow up, and at mid, I mean, 30 years of age, to appear in public as the Son of God, to preach the kingdom of God, to ultimately die on the cross in your place and in my place, in order that our sin could be forgiven. But hallelujah, on the third day, he would raise from the grave and come forth alive in order to seal our justification. Isn't that awesome? Just think about that. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, not just the baby, but listen, as we celebrate the Advent, so we celebrate that coming of Jesus, but then we also celebrate with anticipation of Jesus coming again. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to Jesus coming again, because you know, when Jesus comes again, let me just tell you what's going to happen. When he comes again, everything's going to be set right. Everything's going to be set right. We're all the time complaining and moaning and groaning about the financial status. We're moaning and groaning about the world status. We're moaning and groaning about our politics. I'm here to tell you, when Jesus comes again, he'll sit on the throne of David. And he will rule with an iron scepter. And all the world will worship him. Amen? It'll be set right. But you know what I'm looking forward to? When we talk about the advent... I'm not just looking for that Jesus coming back to sit on the throne. I'll tell you what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the rapture. I'm looking for Jesus not to come back again physically on the planet. I'm looking for Jesus to come back in the clouds, and he's going to call us. Remember, Jesus ascended into heaven. The disciples are watching, and they said, you know, this same Jesus that went, descended, or, or ascended, excuse me, will be the same one that descends. He will come the same way. But before he comes the same way, he's going to capture us into the clouds. We're going to be raptured up, raptured out. That's going to be a glorious day. Amen. And that's what we celebrate at Advent, at Christmas time. We celebrate all the promises that Jesus has made for us. And today specifically, we talked about hope last week. God with us brings hope. This week, we're going to talk about love. God with us brings love. How many of y'all remember being a little child growing up and you heard something like this from your mom or your dad? If you can't say anything nice about anybody, don't say don't say anything at all. You know, how, yeah, y'all remember that. You know, you're not too old either, so that's good. You remember that. That's good. Keep, keep remembering that. Keep remembering that. So the other thing that we grew up knowing, not just that, right? If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. But we also heard about this thing called the golden rule. Now, I grew up in a, in a family that didn't go to church, but we still understood the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you want them to do to you, right? Actually, here's how Jesus said it in Luke 6, verse 31. He said it this way. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do them likewise. How do you want to be treated is what he's saying. And you know, really, in all honesty, that thought, that golden rule was not totally new at Jesus. Not that Jesus stole it from anybody, but Jesus, in a minute, we're going to talk about that. But that, that golden rule actually 
500 years earlier before Jesus was a guy named Confucius. We've heard of him, a Chinese philosopher. And here's what he said. He said something similar. Listen to what he says. He says, do not do to others what you wouldn't like done to you. Think about that for a minute. There's the negative side of it. Don't do to others what you don't want done to you. Now, that's easy. Man, that is so easy. I can do that sitting at home. Amen? I mean, I really can. I can be at home, and I can not do to other people what I don't want done to me. Amen? I mean, honestly, I can do that, right? I mean, basically, here's what he's saying. If you don't want to be gossiped about, then don't gossip about people. Amen? You, you get it, right? I mean, so if I don't want something to happen to me, I'm certainly not going to do it to other people. Because what? In, our, in America, <laughs> turnaround's fair play. That's what we say, right? What you sow, you reap. But Jesus, when you think about what he says in Luke 6.31, he sort of takes that idea. He takes what most common people would say the golden rule is. And he sort of flips it on his head because here's the reality. When you, when you look at Luke 6.31, look at it again. He, put it back on the screen. It's still, oh, it's still there. Good. Listen to what he says again. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do likewise. See, that requires something of me. That doesn't require me to sit at home and do nothing. What Jesus is calling upon, what Jesus is asking me to do in this golden rule is to be proactive. That is that I am to be looking to do to other people what I want done to me. Amen? So where Confucius is negative, don't, don't do because you wouldn't want it done to you. Jesus is proactive. See, Jesus is requiring us to do something. It is a command. It is, it is something that is what we would call an imperative. It is something that Jesus is telling us. Listen, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're going to be a true disciple, then you ought to be actively looking to do to other people what you want done for yourself. For example, how many of y'all in this room need encouragement? Amen. Have you had a long, we've had a long week. You know, you ever had one of those long weeks? We were scheduled to be in a courtroom on Thursday and we anticipated, anticipated, and up to the last minute they canceled on us. And then, then on Friday, I got a phone call and uh, my daughter's car broke down. Can I get amen? Y'all relate to that kind of stuff? That's just life, right? That's life. That's not the devil. That's just life. Life happens that way. And you know, I'll just be honest with you. I got to bed about midnight on Friday. I did not sleep good. Got up about 6.30 on Saturday so that I could go and get this car fixed. And, and it was all the way in Dothan. Couldn't break down at home in the, in the driveway. You know, got to break down somewhere else. You know how that is, right? You know, so I was a little discouraged. I, I was just beat down tired yesterday. And, and, and so we went, I went to Dothan early and we got the car fixed. And then Marina had a doctor's appointment in Dothan for her eye, eye exam. And so she's like, well, I'll just meet you in Dothan. We'll just stay in Dothan. So I stayed in Dothan, Steve, all stinking day yesterday and I was tired you know and I didn't get I didn't get I didn't get a single cup of coffee until about 3 30 David it was rough I couldn't even put my words together brother you understand that don't you amen listen I needed some encouragement many of you sitting in this room have been through much worse and you need encouragement today can I just tell you that encouragement is found in Jesus Christ can I tell you but encouragement should be coming from the lips of his people 
See, we ought to be looking. We know we need encouragement, then we ought to be looking to encourage other people. We ought to be looking to encourage and to love and, and share the gospel with those who are in need. That's what Jesus is calling on us. That's what Jesus is asking of us. That's what he's saying there in, in Luke 6.31, that we need to make the difference. And the difference is going to happen when we proactively pursue to make that difference. That's what love does. So how do we do that? How can we actively pursue that? How can you and I, as, as just human beings, how can we do that? How can we put the focus out there with other people? Well, I think Jesus gives us the answer in Mark 12. So turn to Mark 12. Mark's Gospel, chapter 12. And listen to the words that are very familiar to our ears in Mark 12. Listen to what Jesus said beginning in verse 28. Then it says, one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked them. Now Jesus is in, Mark chapter 12 is the chapter where the religious leaders are trying to test Jesus. They, they are in this mode of seeing if they could catch him doing something wrong or say something wrong so they can bring some criticism. And so the, he's already been tested by the Pharisees. And then he's tested by the scribes. And then he's tested by another scribe, a lawyer. And he comes up to him and it says in verse 28 that this guy comes up and he says to Jesus, which is the greatest commandment of all. Now you're familiar with this church. You ought to be. It's our mission statement. Notice what Jesus says in verse 29. He says, the first of all the commandments is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's the first and the greatest commandment. Verse 31, and the second is like unto it. That is, they're co-equal. That is that we should not necessarily put one over the other. Because notice how he says it. The second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He says there is no other commandment greater than these. Think about that for a minute. Nothing greater than these. What is God expecting of us? Jesus quoting, by the way, the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Old Testament. As he is quoting it, he goes into Deuteronomy chapter 6, and he quotes there what we would call the Shema. The Shema was a, a Jewish saying that was extremely prominent, and, and it had to do with worship. It had to do with worshiping God and acknowledging that God indeed is to be first in our life. That we are to love God with all that we are. Don't try to divide it and say, well, we ought to love God with our heart or we ought to love God with our soul. No, what he's saying is everything that we are, everything that we are, we muster up and love God. We give him everything. And then he quotes for us Leviticus 19.18 that says you shall not... Take vengeance nor bear a grudge against the children of your people. But here it is. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And so this commandment that he gives us, we talk about that being two sides of the same coin. You and I are to love God, yes, but we are to love people equally. As a matter of fact, I will submit to you that unless I'm loving God, I really can't love people. 
Now, you, this is nothing new. You've heard me talk about this. This is our mission statement. We've talked about this over and over and over again for the past 10 years of my ministry. We're constantly reviewing and reminding ourselves that our primary responsibility is to love God and love others. And when we think about the Advent and we think about Advent love, we think about the love of God that has come down to us in the name of Jesus Christ. Listen, I am to take that love that has been inbred in me and give it to others. Amen? So I am loving God back because he first loved me, but then I'm loving others with the love by which God has given me. But the problem becomes for us is to understand this word love. You know, the the word love in the Bible has been used in two fashions. It's used in the word agape. That is that love by which is unconditional. It's that, that love that we call the highest of loves. And then it's used in the Greek language, the word phileo. The, the word phileo is that word by which we, we have this brotherly love, this kinship. Now, now the problem is that sometimes we want to divide those out. We want to say, well, agape loves this God love and this phileo loves this fleshly love. And, and that's not really the case because when Jesus confronts Peter after they fished, you know, uh, all night long and Jesus rose from the dead and there he's trying to restore Peter. He says, Peter, do you phileo love me? Do you love me brotherly? Do you have this brother affection towards me? And then he says, yeah, Lord, you know I do. And he says again, do you follow me? Do you love me? And he says, yes, Lord, you know I do. He's asking him, Peter, do you, do you have this affection towards me? Do you, do you really brotherly love me? And then he says this, Peter, do you agape me? Do you, do you really love me? It's not, it's not just an affection, right, Peter? I mean, it's, it's not just this feeling you have. It's not just this brotherly love kinship we have, right? You love me unconditionally. Do you, do you really, Peter, love me that way? And Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. He couldn't hide the fact that he did because Jesus did know all things. So what, what, what is he calling upon us then? What is Jesus saying to us? Jesus is saying, listen, we don't love people with this Americanized fetish love that we have. Listen, how is it that we can love mom and we can love pizza? I mean, come on, ladies. I mean, wouldn't you want your kids to love you more than they love pizza? I mean, isn't there some kind of distinction, some kind of difference? I mean, I mean you know, we laugh at it, but isn't it true that, that love that we have for mom is certainly different than the love I have for a slice of pie. Amen. And I love good pie. I'm from New Jersey. I love good pizza. But I love pizza a whole lot less than I love my mom. Amen. She's been gone 31 years. I miss her every day because I loved her dearly. She was a very much a, a great part of my life. So Jesus is giving us this different kind of love. He's saying, listen, this love The difference that we have is in it, rather than this fetish kind of love that we see portrayed on YouTube, listen, the love we ought to have is is a love that moves us to action, but here's specific action, for the well-being of someone else. Think about that. The love that you and I are to express at this time of year and all the year ought to be a love that seeks the well-being of of someone else. Now I want you to think about that long and hard because listen to me. I spent the whole beginning reminding us that this this love that we have is is a love that ought to move us to action to treat people the way we want to be treated. So so this demand of us then is that I look for ways to proactively seek the well-being of other people. That's what Christians do. By the way, 
the testimony of Christianity bears that out. The greatest hospitals that have ever been started in America were started by Christians. Think about that. The greatest orphanages that ever existed around the world was started by Christians. Seeking the well-being of other people ought to be the mark of us. That's what love is. And so when we think about that, we look at the text of Mark and we see where Jesus calls on us to love God and to love people. And as a result of that, I want, to write, I want you to write down five things about making this choice. Because here's the question. How do I love? What do I do? How do I seek the betterment of other people? How do I do that? Let me give you four things and we'll be done. Simply. Number one, write it down. It's a love that demands action. I've said that a million times, but I want to read a verse to you. I want you to look at 1 John 3.18. We'll put it on the screen. Listen to what John says. John is the disciple of love. He says, my little children, let us not love in word or tongue. Listen, that means let us not just be a church that says we love people. Can I just tell you, that's easy to do. It's easy for us to put on our website, love God, love people. That's easy to do. It's easy for me to stand in the pulpit and say, let's love God and love people. That's easy to do. It's easy to say. John's saying, let us not just be a church that says that we love God and love people. He says, so let's not just say it. Notice what he says at the end of that verse. He says, but in deed and in truth. See, love, love is doing something. The women's ministry of our church says, just do it, right? Or do something, something of that nature. Ladies, am I right? Huh? Do something, you know? Do something. That's what love, that's what he's calling upon us to do. He's saying, let's not just love in word. Let's not, you know, if I tell my wife, I love you, I love you, I love you, but then I beat her face in every night. What kind of love is that? That's not love. Amen? That's hate in its greatest form. And so let's not just say, I love. Let's show it by our actions. Let's prove it to people. You know, let's send money to missionaries. Let's get toys and wrap them up and send them to boys and girls. And let's show that we love. I mean, that's simple. That's easy. That's, you know, something we, we can do as a church collectively as a whole. But my question is, what are you doing this week to love other people? What are you doing to seek the well-being of your boss or that jerk at work? What are, what are you trying to do to seek the well-being of maybe the kid, people that teach your kids at school? What are you doing to show the well-being towards other people? See, not just the ones we love, not just the ones that are around us that we are easy to love, but this demand of Jesus, listen, not only is it a demand of action, but listen, it's also, write this down, it is a love that is unexpected. See, John says to love, not in word and deed. Then Jesus turns around and flips it on his head in John, or excuse me, Luke 6.35 and says this, but love your enemies. Do good, he says, and land, hoping for nothing in return. And he says, and your reward will be great. Why? He said, and you will be the sons of the most high, for he is kind, listen to this, to the unthankful and the evil. Listen, it's unexpected. See, people that hate you, they don't expect you to love them. Think about that. They want you to hate them as much as they hate you. Why? Because that's where people live. Amen? People live in that realm. People don't like each other, and so they, they live in that realm, and they expect to be reciprocated. If I hate you, if I talk about you, you're going to talk about me. 
You know, that's supposed to be reciprocated back and forth. But Jesus said, let's stop doing that. Jesus said, let's give them a love that's unexpected. Let's show the enemy. Let's show the person that doesn't like us that we love them. Amen? That's hard. Well, you know, that's not easy. It's not easy to love people who don't love you. Amen? It's hard to love the the person that's a jerk to you at work. I, I get it. I've had some bad bosses over the years. Called a deacon bot. I mean, no, excuse me, I'm just kidding. But you get it, right? I mean, you get it. Jesus said, give them what's unexpected. By the way, can you understand that's God's love? God gave us what's unexpected. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. You and I deserve death. You and I deserve separation from God for all of eternity. But God gave us what was unexpected. For he goes on and said, but the gift of God is eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. God should have banished us from the planet, banished us from heaven. And yet he gave us what's unexpected, his grace. That's powerful testimony, isn't it? And you and I are called to love our enemies. I know it's tough. I've been there. But you know, in the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do it. If you will have God's mindset. And and that's what he said, right? He says, for he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. It's raining out there this morning. Do you know that some farmers that have rain this morning do not love God? And yet they're still getting rain on their crops. That's pretty amazing. That's called grace. That's called grace. But not only that, but listen, it's a love that God demonstrated. God went out of his way to show you how much he loved you. Listen to what 1 John 4, 9 says. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us. That word manifest just means revealed. How did God reveal his love? That God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might have life through him. God's only son. I want you to understand something. God had one. And God sent him, Jesus, into the world in order that you and I could have life. Do you understand the magnitude of that? Do you understand that that God sent Jesus and Jesus came in the flesh and he was born and we love Christmas and the baby in the manger. But do you realize, (coughs) excuse me, that the baby was born to be murdered? And the thing about it is, Not for crimes he did, but all because of our sin. Wow. God demonstrated. How else can God tell us, Marshall, that God loves us than by sending Jesus to die when we were lost and in sin and, and deserved everything that he could give us in punishment? Yet he loved us. It's pretty amazing. That's the kind of love we ought to give to other people. That's the kind of love that you and I ought to have in our hearts towards others. And you know, when you get the love of God in you, that helps you to love. And that's my last point. It's a love expected out of us. First John four eleven says, Beloved, if God so loved us, how did God love us? Well, we just read it. First John four nine. In this love of God was manifested toward us that God sent his only son, begotten son into the world that we might live through him. If that's the kind of love God has, he says, beloved, then if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I mean, it's a given, right? It's a given that if God demonstrates that kind of love, 
then he expects those of us who have received it to express it towards other people. Jesus said it this way in John 13, 34 and 35. A new commandment, he says, I give to you that you love one another. As I have loved you, there it is again, the example, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, he says, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How do I know somebody's a Christian? They're a love person, right? They love. I mean, isn't it kind of silly to see Christians who don't have love? Can you really be a Christian and not not have love? I mean, can you really be that kind of person? Can you really have been touched to the magnitude of your soul? The depth of your inner being? And God save you radically and you not exhibit love? Is that possible? Well, I've known some people who call themselves Christians who don't share love. But it just blows my mind because Jesus is saying, how do I know you're a disciple? By your love. By your love. Simply put, right? So let me wind it down. Because I know you're sitting there and you're probably thinking to yourself, you know, what does all does this really have to do with Christmas or Advent season? Well, talking about Jesus dying on the cross, suffering, shame, and punishment for us. Raising on the third day is what Christmas really is all about. We've lost that. We've lost that in the lights and we've lost that in the shopping. We've sort of lost that. We've forgotten, and it's a good reminder for us that what we celebrate this time of year is really the salvation gift that God has given us. Paul calls it the indescribable gift. Can I really explain deeply how much value Jesus is to me? I can't. I mean, I just can't. I don't know how to do that. But you know, the manger and the cross are two sides of the same coin. Jesus came, yes, to be born of the Virgin Mary, but he came for the purpose of the cross. And listen, as we celebrate Christmas, that's the love we celebrate. I don't know any greater love than capsulized in this verse, and we'll finish with this verse, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, that's anybody, Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening today. And remember, you can find more information about Pastor Mike and the church at our website, www.fbclp.life.